it's good to be with you all this morning. Uh, I do, uh, Pastor Dave made the announcement on the screen there right before church. I was like, oops, I'm stuck. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> this is it. Uh, I do want to remind you this week, uh, if you have not registered for our marriage conference, the EXO conference next that will be held next Friday and Saturday, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, it'll be a great time. It's for our couples, and uh, it'll be a simulcast from uh, Gateway Church at, in Dallas, and we will do it right here at the church. And we've got some other things planned to go along with that. You're not just going to come in here and sit down and watch a video for a few hours. Uh, we've got some other things planned to go along with that. So I encourage you to, uh, to participate in that. Uh, it, is, it is for the health of your marriage. Praise the Lord. Healthy marriages make healthy churches. Healthy churches make a healthy America. Amen. Praise the Lord. So uh, I encourage you to do that. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak with you this morning. I, uh, if you got your sermon notes in there, I, uh, I titled this thing the Dynamic Duo. So uh, how many of you have ever heard that term before, right? You've heard that before. What was the first thing that came to your mind? So if you're my age... When I say the dynamic duo, duo, Bad Red and Robin, right? <laughs> that was it. Now, if you're a little younger than that, yeah, you may not remember Bad Red and Robin, but, uh, <laughs> uh, and there are, you know, maybe if you're a little older than that, maybe you think about Lone Ranger and Tonto or, you know, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> but, uh, but what I'm going to talk to you about this morning is, uh, the dynamic duo in the New Testament, which is absolutely essential for our, for our health as Christians. And that dynamic duo is grace and faith, okay? And Pastor Bonnie touched on faith pretty, pretty strongly last week. And some of my scriptures that I have for this week, uh, they're the same scriptures she had that last week, but that's good, right? We don't never get enough word, right? It's, uh, it's what we have need of, so... Uh, in our class back in the back on Sunday mornings uh, in December, I think, no, might have been a little before December, we started a study on grace. And uh, so uh, we completed our class time back there, and we began doing our Monday small group with our couples. And, uh, and we abandoned this study. But I continued to do this study myself. So, and there's a lot of things in it that have really spoken to my heart and have really, uh, have really helped me to, to understand the connection between grace and faith and, and, and exactly what grace means in our lives. So uh, I have several scriptures, and uh, I think they're going to show up back there so that way I don't have to turn to all of them. So I appreciate that. Whoever's running that back there, I appreciate you very much. So first of all, I want to talk to us a little bit about what grace is and maybe about what grace is not, okay? So grace is the unmerited, unearned favor of God. We've all heard that, right? Lots of times. We've, we've heard that. The unmerited, unearned favor of God. It's when I get what I don't deserve. That's God's grace. That's when I get what I don't deserve. Excuse me just a minute. I was a weeping mess in worship, by the way. I thank God for that. 
I thank God for that. When I get what I don't deserve. You know, we are extended or we are giving, given grace uh, when we ask the Lord Jesus to be our Savior. That's the initial outpouring of grace into our lives. That's the biggest step, biggest decision any of us will ever make. That's, uh, that's the day that when God looks down at me and uh, he looked down at all of lost humanity and he said, I show my favor on you. I show my favor on lost mankind. And I will provide a way of escape from the judgment that I, God, will pronounce on sin. God doesn't pronounce judgment on humanity. God pronounces judgment on sin. And if I separate myself from sin, then God's judgment is not on me. Okay? So God deals with my heart. Romans 5 and 8. You got that one to throw up there, brother? He does not. Okay. Romans 5 and 8 says, But that God commendeth his love to us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay? I need you to get that, I need you to get that one place in there where it says, In that while we were yet sinners. Okay? God showed his love for me while I was still a sinner, in that he sent Jesus Christ into, the, into, the, into lost humanity, and he said, I am going to provide a way of escape for you. God commended. He showed his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. Probably most folks in this room, I pray you have, most folks in this room have experienced that initial outpouring of God's grace into your life. Okay? Can you remember the day? I can remember the day. I remember the day when the, when the Lord reached down and when I accepted it into my life that I needed a Savior and that he poured that grace into me. Amen? We become righteous in God's sight. That's what we do. When God pours his grace out onto, into our lives, then we become right in his sight. I cannot get right standing with God any other way. I become righteous in his sight because of his grace. Okay? There will come a day when God will pronounce judgment on sin. And humanity that is apart from God will be part of that, ju that judgment. Right? God's saving grace puts us apart from that judgment, which is the judgment of sinners. And we've all we've heard about the great white throne of judgment. And the great white throne of judgment is the ju judgment of sinners. There is a judgment seat of Christ, is a judge, which is a judgment of, of saints. Whereas those things that you have done, those works that you have done after Jesus Christ has come into your life, God's going to judge those things. You're going to be accountable for those things, that, those gifts that God has poured into your life. What have you done with them? Right? What have you done with them? And God's going to look at you one day and he said, well done. Okay? Well done. Those things that God puts into your life, exercise them. Do those things. But the great white throne of judgment, that's the place I'm going to avoid because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? So that initial outpouring of God's grace to each of us is really only the tip of the grace iceberg. There's a lot to grace. It is truly, grace is much more than fire insurance to you. Right? It's much more than fire insurance to you. 
Grace is not the freedom to do anything that you want to, anything that the sinful world has to offer, and us stand up and say, thank God for grace. I don't have to worry about that. That's not what grace is. Grace is not your license. Okay? Because when I died, that's what happened to me when God's initial outpouring came into my life. It says, when I died with Christ, I died with him, and I am born again. And we hear that terminology in our churches all the time. We are born again. We need to get that. Because I'm born again by the Spirit of God. And that old dead guy, he keeps trying to rise up, but I'm going to crucify him. Right? I'm going to crucify him. Okay? Grace, thank God for grace. Romans 6, 1 and 3. What shall we say then? This is talking about, this is not, grace is not your license to just continue on and live like the world because thank God I'm saved. God saved me. What shall I say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Okay? Grace is so much more than we often exercise it to be. Grace is what empowers and enables you to be a victorious Christian. Is that what, you, is that what I want to be? Is that what you want to be? That's exactly what I want to be. I want to be able to walk in front of the judgment seat of Christ and him look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to live a victorious life, and I think you do too. You wouldn't be here this morning if you didn't. I believe that's what you want, okay? If I'm going to live like Christ, which, mean, which is what Christian means, I'm going to have to have God's grace to do it. I can't do it by myself. We try, don't we? We'll try, but we can't do it by ourselves. I can make all kinds of decisions that I'm going to live like Christ, and I'm going to not do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to clean up my mouth, and I'm going to witness every day, and I'm going to pay my tithes, and uh, we, may, we all have good intentions, right? We have inten good intentions of doing all, all things. You've heard it said more than once probably that the road to hell is filled with good intentions, right? It's filled with good intentions. Many times, I mean, we make those kind of decisions and many times we will we'll abandon those things within the first few days because we don't have the power within us. We don't have the power within ourselves to do. And this is where God's grace comes into your life. Because when God's grace comes in, it's that, you know, it's not that we don't want to be Christ-like, it's that we don't exercise the privileges that are ours. We are privileged to have God's grace. And God's grace is God's empowerment. We gained access to much more at the moment of salvation than fire insurance. Amen. We gained access to, some, to God's grace to live as overcomers. I want to talk to you a little bit about... Uh, so have you ever known someone, or maybe you were that someone, that you, you come in to to a church service or or you or you read the word of god 
Uh, you read some bumper sticker, right, that's got a scripture printed on it, and it, it'll prick your heart just a little bit, right? You come into a, a, a church setting, and the word of God is spoken, and it'll prick your heart a little bit, right? And it should prick your heart. And we'll, we will allow that. We'll leave that moment. We'll leave that moment with good intentions. Right? We'll leave that moment with good intentions. Why does that happen? Why does that happen? Why is it that, that the word will do that? Because it's inspired by God. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's the power of the word. That's why it's so important that you read the word, right? That's why it's so important that you read your children the word, because it's powerful, and it'll do things even when you don't think, have no idea what it's doing, right? It says that it will uh, pierce even to the soul and the spirit. It's going to pierce down even into my mind. My soul is my mind, my will, and my emotions, right? It's going to pierce down into my mind. It's going to get into my will. It's going to get into my emotion. And when the Word does that, the Word works, right? The Word works. And if we will allow God put ourselves in the position to hear the word, then the word can, can do in us what it needs to do. It'll, you know, the word is like, a, it's like a knife. It says, so the word of God is living and powerful. A knife in the hands of a surgeon will save your life. Right? But a knife in the hand of a, a murderer or a robber will kill you. So that's another thought that I've had that I might pursue one of these days, but I'm not going to get it. But really, if you think about the knife, the knife in the hands of the surgeon, it will save your life. And so the word of God in the hand of you as a parent, you as a grandparent, you as a teacher, right? It'll do good works because you're, you're using it for what God would have it to do. It'll do good stuff, okay? When the word of God is ministered to a man or a woman, you leave with the word planted in your hearts, and you're going to live it out. We're going to do it, right? I said a while ago, we have good intentions because the word has been planted. I want to talk to you a little bit about soil. I want to talk to you about uh, what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, 3 through 9. There we go. Praise the Lord. That's magic. That's awesome. Do you know that? <laughs> Jesus said, Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because there was no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and some sprang up, and thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, 
some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I told you earlier when I first began, when uh, the scripture in Romans it said that Paul commendeth his, or that God commendeth his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, I told you I wanted you to rem to pull out the word sinners, right? Think, remember that. In this scripture right here, I want you to think about the last part of that. It says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay? That'll come a little later. But pull those two out and file them away and keep them till I get there. Okay? So, when Jesus was, uh, was giving them this parable, he said, I say to you that the... He said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay? I say to you that the word of God is always good seed, right? The word of God is always good seed. So there's nothing wrong with the seed. It's a parable of the sower. He's going out to sow. The seed is good. There's nothing wrong with the seed. I know that uh, given at any time in my life, I can look back and see that I could have been any one of those hearts at any given time right somewhere along the line I was in the presence of God's word doing being sown and my heart was like the wayside or my heart was stony and I received the word just a little bit because it couldn't get down in there because I had the right I'd, I'd allowed the cares of life to stamp it down and make it where people had walked on me and, and I'd allowed myself to become hard-hearted and I had stones in my heart and I wouldn't let it get, get good root because there wasn't enough soil there and there have been other times when I received the word of God right I see it on a bumper sticker I heard it preached in church I was a teenager in Sunday school and I had too many other cares of life going on in order to allow it to get brute and to grow like it needed to grow. I got too much other stuff going on in my life. And then, by God's grace, one day, the soil has worked, right? It was the same soil that was in the wayside heart a long time ago, right? It was the same soil that was in my stony heart somewhere along the line, but it got worked, and it got worked by the Word of God. And when it got worked by the Word of God, then the seed was planted. And I have, I have a, uh, I lost my word. It's my responsibility to keep it worked and pliable to allow the seed to grow because it'll, it'll have a tendency, right? Soil will have a tendency to get dry. It'll have a tendency to get packed down. You gotta keep it worked. You gardeners, you know, you gotta work the soil to make things grow, okay? So, the thing that will allow us to become more productive, because the seed's planted. I told you the seed's good. The thing that will allow us to become more productive in what God is. Because we all want to live like Christ, right? I want to be like him. That's what the Christian, the word Christian means. Like 
Jesus, right? If I am an American, I am of America. If I am a Mexican, I am of Mexico. If I am a Christian, I should be of Christ, right? I should be like him, okay? We try on our own to do things way too often. We need to allow the grace of God to do what it will do. I could remember, I tried to, you, some of you may not know this, but I smoked for a long time, about 20 years. I tried to quit smoking at least 10 times. Wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Right? I couldn't do it. I had a pretty foul mouth. I had a pretty foul mouth. And it, when you're around that, when you're around that all the time, and it just becomes, that's just the way you talk. Right? But somewhere along the line, you, you, you'll, after you have received the word of God into your heart and, and the grace of God begins to work in your heart, that thing, you'll look up and you'll say, well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do that anymore. Right? I'm, I just don't talk like that anymore. And now when I do hear people talk like that, I think, man, you need to expand your vocabulary. Because you're saying the same thing over ten times. <laughs> right? But it's not because I was strong enough to do that on my, by myself. I could not do that. That's the grace of God in your life. Right? That's the empowerment. That's part of that iceberg. It's under the water. It's available to you. Amen? Grace is one of the dynamic duo. And it is a must. It is so much more than saving grace. Saving grace is absolutely essential. we got to have it. But it's empowering grace. It's what God, because for me to be right in his sight and to be like Christ, it's going to take more than my own physical ability. It's him. It's him manifesting himself. Grace is so important. I, I hadn't thought about this until I was doing this study. You know, grace is, I, I said, it's so much more than just the initial saving grace. It's important enough that if you look at every book in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul, go to 1 Corinthians 1, 3 there, brother. Have you got that one? Paul started the book. He said, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Started the book. Wasn't writing to sinners, was he? He's writing to the church at Corinth. He's writing to the church. He's writing to the Christian. He ended 1 Corinthians 16.23. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Begin it, end it. We need it. If you look at every book, he opened and closed first and first and second Corinthians, second Corinthians the same way. And if you look through every book in the New Testament that was written by Paul specifically, you will see that it opened and closed each one in the same way. Grace to you, grace and peace to you, grace, mercy and peace to you. He's writing to Christian people who absolutely need to utilize the benefit that God has given you. Right? Exercise it. Allow it to work in your life. Mm. 
Every day I need God's empowerment. Every day. Matthew 26, 41. It says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, because we got the intention, right? We got the intention. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right? The flesh is weak. If I depend on God's grace, I can live Christ-like. Will I stumble? Yeah, probably. Will I sin? Yeah, sometimes. But I don't have to. Right? I don't have to. I am no longer a sinner. I want you to go back to that word that we read in Romans. It says, in that while we were still sinners... Right? While we were, key word, were sinners. We are not sinners. We are sons and daughters, empowered by the grace of God. I don't, don't live below your privilege. It is your privilege. It is your privilege to exercise God's grace in your life. Sons have privilege, and God empowers you to live out that privilege. Now I want to move on to the second part of the dynamic duo. We're getting a double dose of this, right? And this is faith, right? This is faith. We live by faith. My goodness. Uh, Jesus taught much about faith, and he expected his disciples and us to exercise faith. Matthew 13 51. Um, I may not, you may not have that one, brother. Matthew 13, 51. So Jesus is talking as we, uh, as you read that chapter in Matthew, and that, that goes back to the, to the scripture that we read about the soil. Okay? That's Matthew 13. And that same scripture, that same teaching is covered in the book of Mark. And it's in Mark 4, 35 to 41, where I'm going to go. But I want to talk a little bit before we get there. Because Jesus, in that chapter in Matthew, he taught much about seeds and sowing. And uh, he taught about uh, the parable of the sower and the seed, the parable of the growing seed, the parable of the mustard seed. And he got all those, all those scriptures. And when he gets down to the end of that teaching... In Matthew 13, 51, he says, Have you heard and understand these things? That's what he asked him. So if you go in that scripture, you look in that verse, he'll, he'll ask him. He'll say, Have you heard and do you understand? <clears throat> Excuse me. He's been teaching his disciples about those those parables. And in verse 30, so in Mark 4, 35 to 41. Did I give you that one, brother? Yep, there we go. So before I read that, in verse 33, he says, And many such parables he spoke to them as they were able to 
Now, I told you in Matthew, he said, have you heard and do you understand? In Mark, he says, and many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. Right? So you've got to be able to hear. Listen to what he's saying. Okay? So on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, right? He's been teaching all day. He's been teaching these parables all day long. And he looked at his disciples and he said, did you hear me? Did you understand? And evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, he took them along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it? That you have no faith. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You know, they all got on the boat. Jesus had been doing his teaching. They all got on the boat. Jesus went down in the boat. He went down in the well, and he went to sleep. And a storm arose. And as the storm was coming up, now these were not inexperienced sailors, right? These guys lived on the Sea of Galilee. They worked it all the time. And for them to get to the place where they're about to go under, it was not just a little storm. Okay? So, they all, they did all they could to secure the boat. They did everything that they needed to do. And then finally one of them looked around and said, where is Jesus? Right? It's the middle of my biggest storm. I'm about to go under. And I look around and I say, where is my Lord? Where was he? He's asleep. So they go down, they wake him up. They say, hey, dude, don't you care that we're about to go under? Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the, of the boat, in the well of the boat, because he had said when they left the shore, let's go to the other side. Right? He said, let's go to the other side. He had no inhibitions, no, no worries, nothing, that they weren't going to the other side. That's where he said they were going. That's where they're going. Okay? So he comes up topside, and he looks at the storm, kind of like Gloria was singing this morning. He looked at the storm. He said, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and the sea was calm. And then he looked at his disciples, and he said, uh, how is it that you have no faith? 
sometimes I know I've looked at, I've felt like he looked at me and he said, how is it you have no faith? And when I go into a worship song like we did this morning, I told you I was a weeping mess this morning because I've just been studying the word and the word is sharpened as any two-edged sword and it pierced your soul, right? And I, I've heard it, had him say, why is it you have no faith? I told you I was going to do this. I told you. And when I tell you something, I mean it, right? I believe the saddest words in the Bible, I've told this to our class in the back, I believe the saddest words in the Bible that were ever spoken was when God came back and after Adam and Eve had uh, the original sin and God walked through the gardens and the saddest words in the whole Bible are, Adam, where are you? Okay. Adam, where are you? But I, in my own life, I would say these are probably the saddest words that I can think of. When God, when I would, Jesus would look at me and say, why do you have no faith? Okay. I, uh, How do you get faith? You're telling me you, I'm telling you you need it. Now how do you get it? Right? How do you get it? I told you about the word, right? The word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's how you get faith. You get faith by the word. I got too many papers. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that we have need of is encapsulated in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything. Okay? Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And I told you a while ago, I want you to remember two things. I want you to remember sinners from that first scripture. We are no longer sinners. I, I might sin, but I'm not a sinner. I'm a son. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And I want you to realize that it says the word hearing there twice. Because I think we can hear two different ways. I think we can hear two different ways. I can hear with my natural ears. I can hear with my brain, my logic. I can figure it out. I, right. I can hear that way. Or I can hear it with my heart. And it is absolutely different. Because when I hear it with my heart, then I know it. I know that the word of God has spoken to me. I got away from the wayside soil. I got the, the thorns out of the way. I got the things out of my life that need to be out of my life so that I can receive God's word into good soil. And when I receive it into my heart, then I've heard it. Right? Now, I want you to think back to the disciples, the, the scripture that Jesus told them as he was getting ready to get on the boat. They are, the, you know, we think that we have struggles with doing exactly what Christ would have us to do. Do you think they did not? They did. They were men just like you and I. Okay? When Jesus looked at him, he says, Have you understood what I tell you? 
Did I, do you understand what I've just been teaching you for the last days? They said, yeah, we got it. Right? That's what they said. Yeah, we got it. So they got in the boat. Did they have it? Uh-uh. They didn't have it. Because when the storm came, what was inside them was not faith. What was inside them was fear. And we all know that whatever's in you is what's coming out of you. When the pressure gets on, what's in you is what's coming out of you. Right? When I squeeze lemons, I get lemon juice. I cannot get apple juice. I can only get out of me what's in me. So when the pressure came, and they were going across the, the sea, what was in them is what came out of them. Okay? So we have, to, uh, we have to ensure that we hear with our heart. That's why it's so important that we teach, that we make ourselves, make ourselves sometimes, get up and come to church, Listen to the word of God. Let the word of God pierce your heart. Because faith comes by hearing. It doesn't grow all by itself. Right? It comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. When faith is put into the play, faith is the channel for grace. Right? I told you what grace was. How do you get it? Faith is the channel. It's what it flows through. It says, for by grace ye are saved. How? Through faith. Grace flows into your life. The saving grace of God flows into your life through the channel of grace or through the channel of faith. If I don't have the channel of faith, then I got no connection. As I was reading in this, in this study, I uh, had a pretty good example about, uh, it was about water. That's what it was. Uh, so if you, if we're in this building and we, we're here for a long time, or your house, or wherever, you have to have water, right? You have to have water. You have to have water to live. I would say to you that as a Christian, you have to have grace to live. Because without water, you will die. And without God's grace as a Christian, you will die. You have to have God's empowerment. So there is a river. There is a, a flow that comes from the throne of God. That is the grace of God that flows past your life. And you've got to be sure you get hooked up to it. You get hooked up to it by faith. Okay? So I've got a, a water main flowing, running right down the street out here. If I don't ever connect... If I don't ever make the connection between my house, this house, your house, and that water main, I got no water. Right? I have to make the connection. It's a, it's a thing that I have to do in my own life. I've got to get myself in the place where I have made the connection to the water main because it's full. The city's got a whole tower of water up there. Beaver Lake's got a lot of water in it. Right? We have to get connected to that. And the same thing is true with God's grace. God's grace is a river flowing. It's an iceberg. We got the tip of it, right? But it, it's flowing past your life. 
and my life. But I have to connect to it. And I connect to it by faith. I have to believe. Hebrews 11, 6. But without faith, it is impossible, impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Romans 1.17 says, For it is the righteousness of God, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Who are the just? That's you and I. I've received saving grace. I'm, I'm a son. I'm set apart from the world because I'm his son. But I have to live by faith. And when I live by faith, I connect to God's grace. And he pours that into my life. Amen? I need God's empowerment. To be, over, to be able to overcome, and so do you. So do you. The only way that empowerment comes, the only way that grace comes, is through faith. So exercise your faith. Hear the word, and hear it in your heart. Don't just hear it in your head. Hear it in your heart. Praise team, I think. Would you stand with me this morning as they come? Precious Heavenly Father, Father God, I thank you for your word, dear God. Father, I thank you, Father, that this morning, Father, that your word has been spoken in this house. And Lord God, I pray that every heart that is in this place today, Father, Father, will be worked as good soil. And Lord God, that you would plant the, the word deep in our, into our hearts, God, and into our lives. Father, let every individual begin to flourish and be just as you would have them to be. Not in their own abilities, God, Father God, but, but, but by your grace. Lord God, we just glorify your name today. Thank you, Jesus. I would ask you this morning, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there's nothing that we do in this place that's any more important than you making that decision. That's your number one decision. Number one. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, He's extending that grace to you this morning. He's plowed the fallow ground of your heart. He's planted God's word in it. Don't let something come and steal it away. Don't let the cares of life steal it away. Just don't let the, it, the, the storms of life come and take it away. If you don't know him as your Savior, I invite you this morning. If you're somebody that would come and would pray with you today. Amen.